Welcome to Level 7, Episode 150, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 3, Episode 14, Watchdogs. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Oh, agents. I swear. I swear Hydra tried. They tried to keep me away from episode 150. They've attacked us in so many ways this evening. I've said episode 150 to this man sitting next to me at least nine times. Oh, I was going to say maybe 150 times. Oh, geez. <laughs> but it's working now. Yeah, it's Agent Daniel. It's working. Robotic Agent Daniel sometimes, it seems. And... uh you, who are you? I'm Ben. Ben Avery. And at least you sound confident it's about working. it. Ben. It's working. We we, we don't oh, know for man. how long. Oh man. I don't know if we, we know we're recording. And I can see that we're recording and I can hear you clearly. And I and think I'm... we got the crackle out of my side that I thought was Skype, but it turns out I think it might have been something to do with one of my Mike cables or something like that, but we've, we've now, and then we've spent the last, what, 20 minutes just trying to record that opening. So my favorite moment, you know, was when I was talking and you couldn't talk back. I was talking that whole time, hoping you could hear me at some point, but it's a lot like an episode, Ben, when we record it live (laughs) and you start talking and I interrupt it and you try to talk again. I just ignore you. Oh, oh, I see. Except that this time I really was, you really couldn't hear me. You didn't have to ignore me. It just wasn't coming through your headphones. Exactly. So Ben, wow, 150 episodes. Yeah, I I feel like we should be having some sort of cake or something. (laughs) We're not. (laughs) I got these caramel rice crispy treats. I'd give you one, but maybe when you're talking at some point, I'll get up and get one. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Kind of a, well, I don't know the exact word to use here, but uh, inauspicious uh, 150th episode right now. You'd think by 150, we'd, we'd, we'd know what we were doing. You'd and... think we'd put out streamers, <laughs> party horns, but no, we're, we, we can barely connect so we can talk. <laughs> it's working now, though. It's working now, and we're ready to talk about this episode because this was an interesting episode. And I'm ready to talk about it. Do we have any news? I got complaints. Let's play some news, huh? Shield intelligence report. So, Daniel, any news? I do, because I still need the opportunity to say things like, hey, girl. Okay. Um, I am happy. I am pleased. I am excited to announce additional cast members have been added to Marvel's Most Wanted. Tell us about these cast members, because I believe one of them they teased as a known Marvel character, but they didn't tell who. Well, we have Oded Frere, who has been cast as someone with villainous charm. All right. So it sounds to me like he's the bad guy. <laughs> well, you can have villainous charm and be a good guy. It's just you're not the but greatest he, good guy. Probably the, the bad guy. Well, you're, you're more likely to do well in your job. If you have villainous charm and you're a villain, as opposed well, to having villainous charm and being a hero. And I, I'll just say this. ABC, Marvel, they're pulling out the stops here, bringing in this gentleman who is a well-known character actor from, you know, I'm assuming you on a regular basis watch Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. <laughs> Not on a regular basis, no. Well, who doesn't, Ben? It's more on a special occasion basis. Fine. What about, so you go back to the original Deuce Bigelow male gigolo? No, no. You you want to be in the sequel for this one. Oh. What else has he been? I I, I don't know this person. Is that it? You do know this person. I can guarantee you know this person. Okay. Tell me. Because he's the mummy. What? He's the mummy. In the mummy? Yeah, from the mummy. 
1999, Brendan Fraser. He played the mummy? Yeah, he's the mummy. Okay. Yeah, he even came back in the sequel. So I've seen him. Oh, yeah. Come on, you seriously. You had to have been all over the mummy in 1999. I wasn't all over it, but I was there. Oh, I was totally all over the mummy. Opening weekend, I was hoping it'd be the, the next Indiana Jones. Come on. Well, it was. Kind of. It, it might have sometimes been better. Well, I loved how it opened the weirdest sequel side franchise of all time. In the Scorpion King? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to be really honest. The Scorpion King was wasted in the Scorpion King, in The Mummy Returns. Completely wasted. So I was always thrilled they did the Scorpion King. It was just a weird, weird spinoff to do. I'm to just take, saying. Take was... your villain from your movie and then do a whole series of movies where he's the hero. Well, but I think he's only in one of those, isn't he? Well, The I Rock think all is those only other in ones one. are not actually The Rock. No, they're not The Rock, but they're the Scorpion yep. Kings. Well, and that's the thing is the mummy returns the end of the movie. When we get the Scorpion King, who is the enemy of the mummy, um, we're just, you know, we're, we're disappointed because he was too CGI'd. Yeah. He should have been a Muppet on the bottom, the rock on top. It was just weird. It was just odd. Muppet on the bottom, rock on top. But, you know, we're, (laughs) we're not here to talk. No, no, we're not. All right. I, uh, so we also have Fernanda Arnandi, who has been cast as Cristino Santos, a tough as nails woman of mystery, but was also Dominic Fortune's niece. All right. Sounds like we've got some good stuff going on there. I'm excited. I am excited. You should be. Are you going to listen to my new show? No. Are you going to listen to your old show? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's our news, kids. I'll send you some feedback uh, when you start that thing, man. We still we got to find somebody to do all that heavy lifting for me since we know I refuse to produce. (laughs) The sad thing is we know you can. It seems like a lot of effort. It it is, Daniel. It it is. Uh, As you have seen tonight. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I, I've actually had a job where I didn't learn how to do the thing because I knew if I learned how to do the thing, then they'd ask me to do the thing. But if I didn't know how to do it, they wouldn't ask me. Pro tip. <laughs> I don't know. That just sounds kind of like, you know, the, the advice you give your friends who are never going to keep a job. Like, yeah, I kept that job and got promoted. And it was to not do the thing, right? I never did the thing. <laughs> I did a lot of other things, but not the thing. Speaking of the thing, should we move on to the thing? Let's get to the thing. From the thing. <laughs> not the man thing. Oh. Mission report. Okay. Uh, we got lots to talk about here. Lots to talk about. I'd say we've got a small bit to talk about. Uh. Okay. I got some things I want to hit. I, I'm going to be honest. I got some disappointments. Well, we've got an episode here called Watchdogs, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what I want to call it? I want to call this episode a tale of three team ups. That's what I want sure. to call this episode. Sure. So I'm going to start and you can stop wherever you want me to. Okay. Ooh. So I'm just, excited now. Just step in and interrupt the way, you know, someone like say Colson would get interrupted by his friend Blake. You know, mm. when, when he's on still friends, when he, well, they were friends when he interrupted today, I wouldn't call them friends, but he also didn't interrupt. I'm just saying that he was lagging friendly. You know? yeah. I, I, I want to see them actually so. come face to face. I think there'll be some interesting dialogue to have, but yes, the, a tale of three team ups, Daniel. And so let's talk about first the opening that leads to the the rest of the, the plot. And that is watchdogs attack an ATCU facility and they do it on TV. They do it live and they're standing in front of a building and they shoot it with paintball pellets, it seems. And then they run away and the building collapses in on itself. And we find out where this building is, Daniel. Do you know where this building is, Daniel? Well, it's in your backyard. It's in my backyard. It's in Literally. my backyard. It's in South Bend, which I live in uh, Mishawaka, right next to South Bend. And if you uh, 
Start... Do you really want Hydra to know that? Well, it's too late now. If you drive from my town to South Bend, you uh, you never know you left a town. That's that's how blurred the lines are between between the two. And so it looked a lot like you, you could probably give tours of that facility. Well, well at least the facility where the facility was felt like home. It just didn't feel like this home. It felt like, you know, when I lived in Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not a real place. In fact, the, the, the part that felt like home the most was that underpass where uh, Daisy confronted uh, the, the watchdog guy in the truck. That kind of felt it was like more here. the truck than the over underpass, wasn't it? Well, we, we have some good underpasses here. I, I think that in the northern Indiana area, we have the best underpasses of of them all, really. Well, I think that those from L.A. would argue that the Redhead Chili Peppers, when they sang under the bridge, established that they have the best underpasses. Well, I'm, I'm just saying we have the best ones in northern Indiana. So I think there might be one or two better ones in Gary, but sheer amount of great underpasses i think we win that's right folks 150 episodes we're talking about underpasses <laughs> anyway so that's our setup you want to talk about our setup at all because i kind of do sure why don't you talk about it because i know you've been chomping at the bit well these watchdogs i liked seeing the watchdogs this is one of those mcu moments for me where characters i knew about and characters i actually from a story that I really care about show up. And I, I feel like they did a good MCUing of, of the watchdog group. Give them nice helmets that look kind of cool and don't look cheesy like they did in the, the eighties comic. But I guess that's really all I have to say about that. Well, well but then I mean, there's the, the weapon that they're using, which as soon as they shot it, I was, Oh, that's just like at agent Carter. Turns out they're not just reusing the assets, they're reusing the, I mean, it actually is meant to be the, the stuff that, that Stark had developed. Was it nit nitramine? Nitramine? Nitramine. Yeah. Though for a while, I was like, that feels like black ma dark matter. Mm-hmm. That's actually what I first wrote down. But it was true. nice for Howard. There's a lot of name checks in this episode. There is a lot, not just a lot of name checks like they used to do, but they're calling it out directly. Yeah, Ultron. Ultron. Avengers got dropped twice, three times. Yep. Savakia. All the feels, except All. for the feels that you don't feel bad. But here's the thing about the watchdogs. I, I lost my soul. What can I say? They feel real. You know, we've. We've talked about the current political season a few times and how there seems to be amount of uncivil discourse. And here we have a group that uses message boards. I think we've both seen message boards go bad mm -hmm. in situations that have nothing to do with issues as important as these. Um, I'm talking like pop culture. All of a sudden, you must be killed. Um, so I think we get that. We feel that as as fans of stuff, you know, when these situations go bad and sometimes how people do think they can be anonymous behind a uh, behind a username and an avatar. So I think we can check that. We we also I think we can feel as the watchdogs move forward in this episode, their feeling of angst about their political situation. I feel like a lot of people around me are in angst right at the moment. Yeah. And again, the the discourse right at the very moment isn't always nice. It, it, there's many ways you want to feel like and scream rip from today's headlines when watching this one. Well, and this is weaponized, uh, weaponized um, protest. So this is not just, you know, we're, we're holding signs. This is not just, we're na calling names. This is not just, we're being nasty, mean people to each other. This is, you know, we're going to stand up and protest and, I mean, it gets called out with uh, Max's brother. So we'll get to that. Should we start with uh, Simmons and May, though? Talk about our first team up. Sure. It's pretty simple stuff going on with Simmons and May. Simmons is practicing with her firearm because she never wants to be powerless anymore. She is tired of people giving their lives for her. Because, And she has quite a few examples here. There's the astronaut on the planet whose name escapes me right now, 
but it doesn't matter because he's not coming back. Will. Will. Uh, there's Fitz, who has risked himself for her. And then there's the people who lost their lives because she let Lash out. And she let Lash out to protect her. And she has decided she wants to take the power into her own hands and not be powerless anymore. And May comes to her and recognizes how she's feeling. And uh, it's that guilt. And she says, you need to use that guilt, use that guilt to motivate you, to push you forward. And then May reveals to Simmons that she's been searching for Andrew. And so Simmons says, I'll help you. You're doing this all wrong. And let me show you what you what I mean. You're thinking as an agent, and he is thinking with instinct. And yeah, so this is this is Simmons and and May, and they're making that that team up right now to help each other with their guilt. But the big conversation is, what are you going to do after you find him? May says, "Kill him," and Simmons says, "What if we could cure him?" And May ends the conversation basically by saying, don't give me hope. I don't want hope because if you have hope, it can be dashed, dashed against the rocks of despair, which is the opposite of hope. Any thoughts there about Simmons and May? I really do appreciate that May calls out something we call out all the time, which is blame the person who did the thing, not yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, she's really blaming Andrew personally. And I do think we've seen that Andrew, even though he's become animalistic, has still got a fair amount of his own free will. What do you think about he, the idea that he's not finished his transformation and that's why Creel's, uh, Creel's DNA or whatever might help him? I, I, this is going to sound bad. Um, it feels kind of half-hearted. They they don't know if it's completed. Well, they, we haven't Simmons seen him. Seem pretty so. sure. Yeah, but we haven't seen him in a long time. No. It's entirely possible he's stuck. That he is, and, and then also, you know, it's for ones that haven't completed. So I mean, they've given us a hero situation from heroes where you almost feel like you have to actually use this vaccine on him. And then again, what are you going to do with the fact that, and this is troubling to me, that he actually did make some choices based on his own free will. Not everything he did was lash. No, no, it wasn't. But probably the worst of the worst was lash. Um, and and how, how can you say what was him and what wasn't him once he started turning? I just, as we said, identified with Ward, Ward had to have consequences. He did. Andrew's got to have consequences too. Yeah. I I, I hope they address that. I, I hope they do. It'll be interesting to see where they go with it because, well, I, I'm glad to see that he's returning. I liked him. There was, that was an interesting character arc to follow. Um, and I'm glad I like, yeah, I'm glad to see that he's back. It's interesting because we are setting up a nice collection of antagonists for the back half of the season between Lash, Blake, Malik, and Hive. Or Hive. Ward. Yeah. Oh, uh, cause yeah, I mean, again, spoilers. I definitely get the feeling we're going to see Blake again. Oh, yeah, I mean, he was in the tag scene, so. Yeah, he he's a busy guy, busy is. guy. He is. So that's that's uh, Simmons and May. Would you like to now move to Colson and Lincoln? Sure. Let's talk a little bit about Colson and Lincoln. After the attack, uh, Sky and uh, Fitz are going to go off and they're going to investigate the attack in South Bend. Lincoln, on the other hand, who wants to go, is not going to because Coulson has gotten back his evaluation. He is being coy about what the evaluation actually said, but he's not letting Lincoln go on the South Bend mission. Instead, Lincoln is taking him on a mission to find Blake. That's the guy 
who was interested in Stark tech and Stark uh, and shield history. And so that's the clue. This is old Stark tech. It's got to be Blake. So they are going to go to safe houses that Blake has been known to use. And it's a test. It's a test and a team up as they go to a safe house. They're looking for clues, looking for evidence. And what do they find? They find a monologuing Blake who is very, very willing to talk to Coulson and is unable to and maybe unwilling to interrupt Coulson when Coulson starts talking, even though that's normally what Blake would do, apparently. Although I don't know how much we've seen that. I just don't remember how much we've seen that. And it turns out that's not Blake. He's stalling. He's a hologram. Coulson gives the order to Lincoln. Kill this man. Kill him. Because Lincoln is holding himself back, trying not to act out and strike out in hate. And we're going to talk about hate, unfortunately. We're going to talk about hate a lot in this. But um, it really is that kind of... a. Uh, it's it's the anti strike me down, give in to your hate. It's a good guy telling him to strike a bad guy down and give in to your hate. But Lincoln follows the order. He questions the order, follows the order, but then follows the order in such a way that it kind of stays with his morality and doesn't give him a kill shot. Even though, I mean, if it was a human, it wouldn't be a kill shot. So Lincoln has passed the test. Um, in the meantime, they figured out that actually the, the target for Blake was to give the watchdogs an actual inhuman to see, uh, uh, basically I think to give them an enemy that they can put a face to and, and f- have a victory against an inhuman, or at least have an inhuman <laughs> defeat them and give them even more of a motivation to, to go out against these guys. But that's coming in our next team up. So, yeah, Colson and Lincoln. Are you happy with our developments here with Lincoln? Well, I, I'm glad we finally are exploring Lincoln's motivation in a very upfront way. Um, he's not there for the cause. He's there for Daisy. That's he what the evaluation controls. says. Yeah, and he controls himself because he's there, but he's not there. And so that's really what Colson's looking for is is – are you really someone who's going to stand for this cause, protect this cause, live up to the ideal that we've created? He he makes several comments about Hey Girl and and Hunter. You know, they gave it up in order to protect it. Are you willing to go so far as to do that? And so he, it really is a test. And Lincoln, you know, this this is all a test. Yeah, yeah, it is. You just got back from Caterpillar. We just got your eval. You're being tested, buddy. You're being tested by the greatest master of all time. Well, and one of the things that Colson calls out, I mean, Lincoln thinks he's calling out Colson. You're, you're testing me. Colson calls out the fact that he's tested all these other guys, like everyone else who's there. Sky, May, they've all passed the test, at least of time. And Lincoln is an unknown. And Colson needs to know he can put his trust in Lincoln. He needs to know that Lincoln's going to put his trust in Colson. And he also, I think, needs to know, can he trust him to have his agents back in the field? And Lincoln's passed the test. So was it too easy? Or was it too convoluted? <laughs> With this well, it might have been a little convoluted. I, I mean, I don't I mean know. clearly Colson didn't know he was going to be stepping into a situation where there would be a hologram. And, and so the, the details of, of the test weren't known ahead of time. Well, but, and I and I don't think Colson necessarily understood the strain that this whole encounter was going to put under him because of the fact that Blake straight out calls out that he's killed someone due to his hate. Mm-hmm. We all know that's Ward. Mm-hmm. And so you know he's got baggage around that. And and this is the second time when when uh, when Blake calls out this idea that hate motivates. Uh, that's the second time we've heard it in the episode. The first time was with Mac, but this is a big theme for this episode. Hate motivates and Blake is using hate to motivate the watchdogs and maybe to motivate himself. 
Maybe. I mean, well, and once we get to the end of the episode, we can pretty clearly see that he's he's not happy. He's not happy at all about his his current life situation. But so hate motivates and and it's it's using hate to take these people who are scared and then rile them up with this hateful rhetoric and get them out there and get them motivated to go out and do stuff. Like so the building that collapsed in on itself, which it seems like there were some casualties. That was not a bloodless situation that happened. But you'd have to check the papers. There was staff. The the building I, I, has I'm just, staff. I'm just sure your local paper would tell you. Well, I don't get our local paper anymore. Does anyone? Not really. Not really. They they had to shrink the size of the paper uh, to cut down on costs. The comics were in color, but the comics are really tiny now, and it's just kind of Ugh, why bother? we're getting older. Why bother when I can just go online and read ten articles a month without having to pay the the paywall fee or whatever? Actually, I think that might be free. It might be the other newspaper, the Elkhart Truth. <laughs> All right. Well, here, let me talk about where they yeah. they got me number one. Okay. And I even sent oh, you messages yeah, you that did. you know where I'm going. Yes, I do. I was convinced because they had made enough comments about the fact that he had had his bro- back broken. Mm-hmm. So I was convinced and I would be proven right that he's still in a wheelchair. I was not convinced that he was in a wheelchair, but my first thought was also your first thought. Which was LMD. Yeah. I, I was convinced that the reason he was in these different places and I was getting all excited as we were seeing visual confirmation in Indiana and that we're messing around here and clicking and, and Atlanta. I'm like, I know it totally has to be an LMD. This is going to be our first confirmed LMD. No, it's just a hologram. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it was that dialogue you're talking about that made me wonder, is this an LMD? Because he's saying, you know, you're everywhere. Well, I'm everywhere. I am everywhere. <laughs> and it's just kind of, um, yeah. It's like, there, here's the confirmation. There's the confirmation. No. But your message to me was, is this our first LMD? Yes. And my answer to you would be, well... I mean, no, he's not, but wasn't Koenig possibly an LMD? We've never had it confirmed. No, we haven't. So so what I meant was, is this our first confirmed? Okay. And the answer was, of course, no. So, so there it is. A little disappointing. Understandable. But, but I was excited. I was excited about the idea. I was excited to see Blake back. But... I, wasn't ex- I was less so. Well, I was excited to see him back until I realized he's a villain. Well, do you want me to go into this now or do you want me to wait? Is it about Blake? Yeah. Well, let's get into it now. I mean, the, the next stuff is not hey, This wasn't Blake. Blake. This was Bosch. <laughs> I haven't watched that show yet. I, I've watched uh, one episode. Very, very good. But this wasn't Blake. This literally was that tough as nails sort of attitude that he brings to Bosch the, that he even brought to that horrible Transformers movie. To me, Blake is kind of a, and people may disagree, but we, we do only have item 47 or whatever it is to, to compare to. To me, Blake is kind of a whiny bureaucrat. He's a middle manager. He's a paper pusher. But now he's this angry. This guy is tough. This is, a, this is a militant. He's an angry, angry man. And why is he angry? He put all of his eggs in the shield basket only to find out, in his words, there was no shield. He was working for shield and it didn't exist. He was working for Hydra. Yeah, well, maybe he needs to investigate who his contacts are as watchdog. Right. But I like the fact that his motivation is not, oh, I'm Hydra. His motivation was, oh, all those people were Hydra. All those people were Hydra. Um, Gary Shandling was Hydra. And Sitwell was Hydra and my best friends were Hydra. And now what, you know, because of all of that, I ended up with a broken back. And so he thinks he thinks that he is striking out against 
the man striking out against the thing that he was forced to work for that he didn't know. So I like this motivation. This is good villain motivation, different villain motivation from what we've had. It, it works. kind of feels like a purifier from the X-Men to me. He's just fighting aliens instead of mutants. Well, maybe. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, but I do feel like this is a good and different motivation from what we've had with other villains on this show. Speaking of Gary Shandling, that's, that could have been a news item. Could be the late Gary Shandling. He passed away, yeah. I'll still argue the Gary Shandling show was... Uh, My introduction really? to absurdist humor was the Gary Shandling show. It was a good show. It was. That hit me, it would have been eighth grade, and I would laugh and laugh and laugh. It was just so different and odd. Do you think we could have had Seinfeld without the Gary Shandling show? Well, I'm sure we could have. I'm sure we could have. But we wouldn't have gotten the Chris Elliott show without the Gary Shanley <laughs> show. Ooh. Uh, maybe wow. there's some things that. Maybe we didn't need the Chris Elliott show. Yeah, from the legacy. We can we could have left out. But Yeah, maybe maybe we're good. <laughs> so, he delivered a newspaper in that show, right? That was yeah, his job. That was his job. There was some good absurdist humor in that, too. But that's a discussion for a different kind of podcast. We're talking about Blake right now. So you're not a big fan of the the Blake we get here? No, just because I don't feel like it's the Blake we've seen before. Again, I understand that there's a transformation in his character, that he's moved on. But yeah, there, are, there is that, that tag scene where we see that he's actually in a wheelchair. His back is still broken. So he was working for Hydra and in working for Hydra, he was put into a wheelchair and has lost at least the use of his legs, possibly his arms as well. I couldn't, and I don't then, remember what I saw, no. but and now he's working for Hydra trying to strike out against aliens as he's working for aliens, not knowing that he's working for aliens. I think, I well, mean, I hate it when they say aliens, they're not really aliens, they're inhumans. Well, they're half. I mean, they've got alien DNA inside them. That is something that you, what you have just said is something that Sky has said before, too. But it's it's just it's shorthand. And it's unfortunate because once you start using shorthand to describe someone, you know, you're you're just describing them from just that initial outward appearance, not for who they are on the inside. But he calls them freaks and TV Magneto says, yeah, sure. Freaks. You're right. Yeah. I prefer it when we call him the Iron Chef. But he's not the Iron Chef, is he? He's what'd you call him? The the chairman? The chairman. Yeah. The chairman. No. Uh, you can call him the Iron Chef. But to me, he's TV Magneto. That's just who he is. Uh, yeah. So in that tag scene, what is that? Is that a bomb? I think it's a warhead. But what is it for? Is it a warhead that's going to explode or a warhead that's going to do something even more sinister? Like spread Terrigen or something? Is it nuclear? I don't know. I, uh, I don't have freeze frame. So I just, it was just white. It was a white warhead of some sort. <sighs> I'm just saying warheads aren't good. You no, know, especially when they're put into the hands of people who hate and people who have a vendetta against people that they hate. Yep. Good point. Good point. So definitely this situation is not headed toward a – there's not good intentions. Let's put it that way for both Blake and TV Magneto. So you want to talk a little bit about who we don't see in this episode? We don't, um, we don't Hive? see Hive or Malik. Well, Malik's influence is there. Yes. Yes. And they, they talk about him. Well, and he's the one behind the plot. It's a whole situation where Eli Wallace or Wallach didn't want to uh, play the bad guy in uh, Magnificent Seven until they said to him, look, you're not in the first half of the movie, but all they're doing is talking about your entrance when you come in, in the second half of the movie. 
like it's all building up to you. And so that stroked his ego enough to take take the role. Same kind of thing here. It's all about Malik, even if it's not about Malik. And Coulson knows the Malik connection. The question I have is, you know, is you brought it up. Does Blake know or care about what his connection is? I don't know. I don't think he knows. Uh, Malik's been really good about claiming to not be Hydra. That's true, too. And using his authority to say, look at me. I'm the good guy. I was on the World Council. Everybody knows me. I'm okay. The World Council only had good people on it. Wink, wink. Yes. The people on the World Council were either good or dead or both. That sums it up. Or me. (laughs) They were either good or dead or me. So our final team up is Sky, Fitz, and Malcolm. Malcolm, not Malcolm. Mac. Malcolm, you mean Mac? Yeah. Well, my handwriting made it look like Malcolm, but it is Mac. And Mac is visiting his brother Ruben. And Ru- they, the announcement comes on TV about the watchdogs attack. And Ruben thinks it's awesome. And so Mac tells his brother he's called away on insurance. <laughs> <laughs> an insurance call. He has to go and he's assess got a an lot accident. Of important insurance calls. Yeah. But really, he's going to go with Sky and Fitz to check out the situation with the imploded building. They find out that it's got nitromine. And then we have a conversation about what they're going to do about the watchdogs. And Sky wants to go and find. I mean, she's she's done her hacking. It's nice that they keep bringing back those hacking skills for her. And letting her use those things as well. And so she's used her hacking skills to find out information about people who are on those message boards. And they find a guy who was contacted by the group, but who didn't actually go to the place that the group was meeting. But he gave her the place because she went into um, oh, aggressive, uh, <laughs> aggressive information finding. Is that what we can call it? Um, let's call it, I don't know. Inhuman intimidation. <laughs> it wasn't torture. It wasn't well, torture, but it was not. definitely questioning civil rights here. Oh, and Mac calls her out on it. That's their discussion is, you know, trample. Can you trample on the civil rights of people who aren't good just to get other people who aren't good or who are worse? And it's a, it's a conversation that is a real world conversation put into the context of a sci-fi action adventure show. So before she goes to have the, the little conversation with uh, this watchdog guy, Mac leaves in disgust. But when he talks to his brother, he finds more disgust in his, in his heart because Ruben is not just talking about the watchdogs. He's quoting them. He's quoting them. So they find out where the watchdogs HQ is and they go to infiltrate. And here is something we need to talk about. Ruben shows up. I'm not sure why or how he ends up coming up on his motorcycle there. He's an excellent tracker. Well, is that it? Because there was nothing in the show that I saw that told me why he should be there. It didn't make sense. Um, it was totally out of the blue because this Mac was sneaking up. Well, and yeah, I wondered if he was showing up for a meeting. Uh, <laughs> that would have made sense. And, but he wasn't. I, it was like they didn't feel like they could go that bold. I think they should have gone there. I think they should have, too. So Ruben drives away once he realizes that there's like a gun battle going on here. And Mac goes after Ruben. Sky and Fitz go after Blake. Fitz gets shot with a nitramine paintball. And they have to save him. And they do. And the way that they save him is they get a clue from a soldier that they brought along with them from the watchdogs. Mac has an argument with Ruben. And then the watchdogs, it turns out. This was Blake's plan. Blake's the plan. The whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And he, they're not just going to, you know, it's not just that he has a plan that he's going to do. He did it 35 minutes ago, Daniel. 
when you weren't even thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. So they were looking for a second target. They did this ATCU place that had something in it that, you know, they thought it was a cover-up for Malik, that he was using that as a cover-up. Um, but he's Blake doesn't have a second target. He wants an inhuman to get into a confrontation with the watchdogs to either give them a victory, I think, or to give them uh, a butt whooping that's going to, you know, give them even more motivation to want to go out against the inhumans. What they didn't realize, they thought that the big strong guy was the inhuman, not the little girl. Well, and they did see him. They did. Yeah. And so they went after him and not her. But now we have the setup for what's going to happen. What is our climax? And the climax is home invasion. The watchdogs invade Ruben's house. And we have a big fight as Mac and Ruben fight to get out of their own home and survive. And it ends with a couple cool things and a couple not so cool things. Uh... <laughs> The shotgun axe, Daniel. It's about time. The shotgun axe. They paid it off. It's been created and used in battle. I can't believe it. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a stretch. It's a meat cleaver. That, you know, so it's not technically an axe. But once you attach a meat cleaver onto the end of a shotgun, it becomes an axe, Daniel. It becomes an axe. When I saw it, I almost cried. <laughs> See this? Yeah, me too. This is where I started having feelings. Marvel Daniel. keeps their promises. They gave me Thanos. And, Not uh, well, but they gave him to me. Well, they gave you a shotgun axe, and I think they gave it to you better than you had any right to ask for. Where do you find the tape? I don't know. It was the kitchen. There's always tape in the kitchen. Oh, good point. Yeah. Good point. Handyman secret weapon. Handyman secret weapon. Uh, we also have Mac getting shot. And for a brief moment, for a brief, the briefest of brief moments, I thought we lost Mac. I really, truly did. And I thought maybe so too. I, I'd seen enough foreshadowing from Marvel that we should be worried that I was worried. I mean, that he was having this conflict with his family member. The fact that we spent time with him and his brother. Yeah, I, I, I was I thought I thought it was over. I thought it was done. I thought this was the end of our time with Mac. Well, and they did spend enough time setting us up to think that he was going to go away. But he didn't. He didn't. He's still there to be the moral compass for our and, team. And if anything, his brother might have a job now. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I hadn't thought about that because that's the big thing with his brother. His brother is losing the house. The mortgage is upside down. He's lost his job and he, his family has moved to a condo in Florida. I mean, by family, I mean his brother, uh, not brother, his mom, his mom and dad, his brother never visits. Dog. <laughs> they left him this. It was nice I, to see that get worked into the fight too. Check off ceramic dog right there, man. That it was is. check off ceramic dog. We have check offs shotgun axe that was hung on the wall, you know, episodes ago, seasons ago, but yeah, Chekhov's <laughs> what I wrote down was Chekhov's ceramic collie. I don't know if it's a collie or not, but it looked like a collie. To me. Okay. You know, great you usage about, the, about Mac and mini Mac. Yes. Did it sometimes feel like a very special after school episode? Um, no, it felt more who, like taking care of who. No, it, it felt more like a, a very special episode of, say, a primetime, uh, a primetime comedy like Roseanne or something like that, where they really have to deal with, you know, just losing jobs and, and real world problems, man. But it was real world problems. <laughs> It brought it brought us back into that idea. I mean, I don't know how long ago this episode was written, but this idea of people's fear driving them 
towards something that is not good for them. But what other option is there? What other option is there? He has no prospects right now. And again, it's that idea. There's there's kind of two things happening with the watchdogs. One is they're riling people up with true enough elements to say, you know, we need the truth. We need this. We need that. But you know, what the line that he said was, you know, we, we either need to um, rise up and protest or stand up and protest or you'll be pulled down in chains or something like that. And this is this is what we're seeing. I think on both ends of the political spectrum, we are seeing people who are just scared of losing their way of life that they're used to and comfortable with. And so they're latching on to the thing that is saying, I, I will protect you from what you're afraid of instead of thinking with their minds and actually thinking through the consequences of what would happen if we would follow that particular uh, train of thought to its logical, practical conclusion. But the watchdogs are doing a very good job of tapping into real world. And when I say real world, I mean for the characters in the world, like Ruben, real world problems to say, we've got the solution. The government is lying to you and you're in danger from these aliens, these inhumans from illegal aliens to now real aliens is what, what the caller on the, what I can assume to be a conservative talk show was saying. So yeah, uh, beyond that, there's a nice heart to heart that Sky has with Ruben afterward. Good yeah. to see Super Googling's back. I would I would argue that Super Googling is not back. It never left. It never left, Daniel. That really touches my heart, Ben. <laughs> really touches my heart. So nice to see family. I like it, you know. Anytime you have a show where you like the characters, it's nice to jump in and see their family. I remember that episode of Star Trek Next Generation where you... Oh, you lost me. <laughs> you met Worf's parents and Picard's brother and nephew. And oh, I'm trying to think. There's some other Cute family element cousin. there. No, I think it was Wesley's father had like a hologram for him or something in that episode. But it was just a quiet episode where you're meeting the family. And just kind of getting to know if this is what our guy is that we know and like, what what's his family turn out like? And and Mac, this is a good relationship. At first, I thought that sound like the parents were dead. But no, they're not. They're not dead. That's good. They're just in Florida. They're just in Florida. So which is, I must say, you know, this time of year. We're just coming off of that area of uh, that, that period of time, rather, where our our Florida birds are coming back and coming back for the summer up to Indiana. You have that, don't you? I think so. Over in Minnesota. I don't really I don't really pay attention all the time. Well, I do. The migration patterns of the Florida bird, the Indiana Florida bird. Oh, you mean the actual birds? I was thinking you meant snowbirds. No, I'm talking about snowbirds. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm talking about snowbirds. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I have much more to talk about here, though. Uh, from my notes, just hate. It's bad, but it's a good motivator. And Ruben is one of those people who the system is broken. And the watchdogs are at least providing some form of solution. Chekhov's collie dog took out a watchdog. I wrote that. And another. Oh. Oh, oh a, there's a huge name check in here. Damage control. Damage control. Yes. Huge name check. That was uh, that was written in. I wrote the letters uh, to take up two lines of my notebook page. That's how big I wrote damage control. Was that just a concept? These are the people who do damage control. No, or no, I'm pretty sure it was a cut. Was it, it was a team a group. Oh man, if they, if they look, I know I'm not going to get Great Lakes Avengers, but.
but my close second to having a dream appear on this show is damage control. And I, I think we actually could meet. I think it's damage control. I think so. It's COVID. Well, that's, that's that then. That's that for me anyway. Yeah. I'm, I think we've wrapped that one up. All right. Well, we've got one item to check in on for our field report. You ready? Let's go. Shield field report. All right, Daniel, like I said, we just have one, one thing to read and one no prize to give. And I, let's start with the no prize. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. The no prize winner of the day. I believe I've given the no prize to this person before and maybe even for the same thing, but I don't remember if I did or not. And I need to, and that is, um, I'm going to say the name wrong, but I'm going to say it with confidence, Daniel. I'm saying it with confidence. I'm learning from you, my friend. And after 150 episodes, I learned to do this, say it with confidence and nobody can fault you except for the people who think you're wrong. And that is Jari Rantanen. And he has sent us a, a lot of feedback. The feedback is very, very long and very, very intense and very, very funny. And so I, no prize goes to him mainly because I haven't read. Um, I don't know if I've read any of, of the things that he sent in, uh, but they're really good stuff. And so, again, I'm, I'm sending that no prize out to him. So it's a no, no prize. No, it's a, it's a no prize. It's a real no prize. OK. All right. And then finally, Agent Rutger sent us in an, an email and he writes in to say, hi, Ben and Daniel. This is my first email to you guys, as I only discovered your podcast a month ago, and I'm still backtracking. Started at the first one and am now just past 70. I rarely get to see Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. close to its U.S. release date since in the Netherlands, it doesn't air. However, some Internet magic gave me access it was Dr. Strange, it sounds like. Some internet magic gave me access to last night's episode, and what more can I say then? It got me a lot more than I had expected. Let's start at the beginning, though. I love those non-chronological story arcs. It forces you to pay much more attention than normal. This, this episode had everything I need from a TV show. Action, a great bad guy that dies way too soon. Or did he? <clears throat> and, of course, an emotional goodbye. The main reason I'm sending you a message, though, is to thank you for your podcast. I've raced through them and hope to have caught up by the time the season finale airs. I guess it will be weeks for me to find out if you read this message. Kind regards, Rutger. P.S. Don't worry about the name. I know it's a pronunciation nightmare for non-Dutchies. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't try the last name, but uh, Rutger or Rutger. Um, I'm trying to say it Dude, confidently. Confidently. I'm trying to learn 150 episodes. I'm trying to learn from my, my co-host here, but, um, well, he's got like 80 more to go. <laughs> I don't think I could listen to myself talk for 80 episodes in a month. You know what though, Daniel, I have, I have sped through different podcasts before, and I'm sure that the people who host those podcasts would say the exact same thing. Like, how can anyone listen to me for that long? But Daniel, you gotta have confidence. You've made it. 150 episodes with me. Wow. Who would have imagined? <laughs> I don't know. No, I seriously, I don't think we would have ever imagined 150 I've... episodes. Yeah, but we did it. And we've got more to come. Lots more to come. And we're trying to get creative on how we're going to be able to do it. And I think we've got some really good ideas. And we'll talk more about the ideas for how we're going to take care of, of Daredevil and, and the remaining Jessica Jones episodes. But we just got to get Mrs. Butcher out on that trip we've been planning for. Oh, that'd be a good idea. Or we could get Mrs. Butcher to watch it. Nope. And be your co-host. Nope. For, the, gonna for Hey Girl. No? Nope. She's not going to do production. <laughs> <laughs> that's true somebody's got to produce it's not going to be her <laughs> for the record <laughs> that's all you know we we've got ideas and and we we know i th i think we have a good idea for where we're going and how we're going to make that work and we are not doing a spin-off show daniel's not leaving so don't worry about that but yeah i i think that's it daniel 
what are we going to do when, we, when I leave? <laughs> You're not leaving. Not right you just now. made a promise. I, I did. Well, I guess I kind of did. You're, you're not what leaving if right now. If you're not, I win the lottery, okay, I, I, I'll stay here. Yeah, if you win the lottery, we, we got it made, man. Ugh. So, I guess that's what we need. We need listeners to send us lottery tickets. <laughs> we made it through this episode, Daniel. We made it through episode 150. People don't know, and we're not doing it. We're not going to use it for the post credit, so people don't know all the, 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 uh, uh, the outtakes that came out of this episode but no, we, we have very serious post credit we do we do but we made serious it through in dark we made Vin it versus through. daniel <laughs> so uh got any final words here daniel as we we end up the, end this episode and and move into our our dc related post credit sequence i'm gonna be honest yeah a little bit of a a drop for me but after i felt all the feels i don't know if it would be possible to immediately have an episode that was to the same level as that last week but don't you find it interesting that they gave all the feels to us partially through max emotional emotional response from last episode and this episode max centric this is him dealing with the the aftermath in fact that Star Trek Next Generation episode I was oh, talking about, geez. it's very similar situation where this is, you know, it was Picard dealing with that whole Borg thing. He goes home, spends now, time. How with long him. are you going to talk? Do I have enough time to go grab one of those Rice Krispie treats? No, no. Dang it. No, but I'm about to play the end credits. Right? And you can do it then. But do you want caramel in your mouth when you're going to be talking about a certain Dark Knight and a certain Man of Steel? might obscure my voice that's true it just might so yeah well i'm good okay so yes i i am making promises daniel i when i said that you weren't going to go anywhere um i make that promise thinking that you know i can say something like that i'm the boss but then i have to stop because oh wait you work for the lady with the funny hair i i forget Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7. You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Once again, thanks for listening, and remember, welcome to Level 7. It's not just a podcast. It's a magical place. Batman versus Superman. Ben, can I go ahead and just kick this off? Because I know you've already spent hours talking about this elsewhere. Uh, And I'm going to spend more hours, but yeah. So I want to just go ahead and say this. I think a lot of people are expecting me to be a hot mess about this movie. But I feel like there's been a lot of prejudgment. I've been hearing a lot of people who haven't seen the movie say, I hear it's really, really bad. And so I'm shocked when I hear things like it's beating Marvel box office records on certain things. Now, I do think Civil War is going to take those records back. But I hear a lot of people talking about Batman v Superman, but I honestly haven't bumped into that many people who've seen it. I have. And what I'm hearing from the people that I'm talking to is they're seeing the movie and they're saying, I thought it wasn't going to be any good, but I actually kind of liked it. And so they're almost feeling like, am I stupid for liking it when all the critics and all the, the word of mouth is that it's been horrible. And I tell them, no, that's, that's what I'm seeing. People who are not professional critics and people who are not super, you know, into, into the comic books or into um, DC, especially they're kind of liking it. 
And they're kind of scratching their heads to say, wait a minute, I thought that I was told that I wasn't going to like this. So. Well, my youngest wants us to buy it. Yeah, I I liked it. I'm going to just go ahead and say, Daniel, um, you know, over at Strangers and Aliens, I did a a road trip review where we recorded ourselves driving there, talking about our expectations, driving home, talking about how we liked it. But, um, you know, the spoiler here is I enjoyed myself at the movie. I went in and I'm just, this is my brief review. I went in hoping for a Superman who was generally speaking inspirational, if not to us, you know, the viewer to the people of the world. Um, I wanted a Batman who was dark, but who was on a character arc to not be as dark. And I wanted it to have some lightness to it and some humor. And I also wanted it to be not just dark to, you know, not to use the shadows of darkness to give the illusion of thematic depth, but I wanted some actual thematic depth. And there was, there's stuff to think about. There's a massive stuff to think about. Um, and I liked Superman. I liked Batman. I liked Wonder Woman, not enough Aquaman. And yeah, that's well, my, I mean, that's my, think, my review in a nutshell. I think the big thing is, is, not enough Aquaman. There's moments in the movie. I don't want to go spoilery where you feel like this is Chekhov's moment to call an Aquaman. Mm-hmm. And that's really a missed opportunity. Um, Ben, you may really like this movie. I'm going to say it's not as bad as the Fantastic Four by a long ways. But I'm kind of middle of the road with it. And here's my general thought. It's too long. Mm. I think Snyder spent so much time being artistic and to frame things. And I think I even saw a nice little review from Kevin Smith today where he basically said Snyder is fantastic with visual framing, but he failed to give it heart. And I do feel as if it's heartless at times, but instead we can broad in, a, in, a, in buildings and we can give looks and not say things when we're saying stuff. And it just... Again, I, I, I going back to George Lucas, faster, more intense. There's a lot of scenes we could just cut down on. We could cut down on the the size. They could make even more money if it was less in length because they could do more showings for heaven's sakes. Well, but they did cut it down. I mean, the director's cut will have an extra, I think, 20 minutes. I know. And that's crazy to me. Yeah, this crazy. is why I'm not seeing this is why I'm not seeing it a second time. I don't have two and a half hours to give to watch that movie again right now. But I just you have to admit, don't. some of these scenes are just too elongated. Yeah. For example, uh, to me, Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne's dreams to me are just, they become fluff. I, I would disagree, though. It's I, just a fluff dream to me. I, I it, would, it's not needed there. I would disagree. I would, it's not needed. I would disagree. I mean, I don't, we don't want to get into spoilers here, but I would say that thematically, the dreams work and, and have a reason to be there. I, I really do. And, you know, Zack Snyder is a visual storyteller. He is a postmodern storyteller. And I think he really wants to get credit for making something that looks artistic. But at its essential core, Ben, at its essential core, this movie has to be about Batman and Superman hit each other because it's in the title. No, I mean, it's, nope, it's nope. there. Yeah, it has to happen. It, it does happen. So and so I feel like they did a, did a pretty decent job setting up why it happens. Just get me there. You don't need to make me feel as if, you know, Bruce this and Bruce that. I would much rather get me there, but get me there giving me some stuff that make me think and laugh and get excited. Sure. And I actually did. You know, you're talking about the feels. There were a couple points in this movie where I actually did get a lump in my throat. I am not lying. I didn't get any tears. But I actually yep. did have an emotional response. So it was not completely soulless unless I am so soulless that the soullessness of the movie was able to touch me. Yes. <laughs> so you saw you said here, here, let me give you a positive. Give it to me. Wonder Woman's really good. Good job, DC. Yeah. I mean, that was a very I mean, they've spent so much time trying to figure out how to portray her live action. Well, you did a real nice job there. I think it's funny, though, that her movie, I don't know how much is going to be flashback and how much is going to be present day, 
her movie is going to be World War One. Why not World War Two? Well, because then it's Captain America. She even has a shield. I, I, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm and just throwing it out there. She did a real nice job. She did a, they great, did a great job with the job. character. Great job. Yeah, and it's solid. I enjoyed Ben Affleck as Batman. I really did. I thought he did a decent Sometimes job. I had a hard time not forgetting that he was Ben Affleck. Well, maybe. Maybe. <sighs> did you get the trailer for the uh, Lego Batman? No, I have not yet. Okay. Well, it was attached to the one of them was attached to the movie, but there's actually two then out that just came out this week for it. But I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I have a movie theater in my area that's relatively economic compared to AMC. So I did go there instead of comfy, comfy chairs. So I may not have gotten the, the most current trailers. Well, look it up online because they're funny. Both of them. There's two. There's one wow, two already. Yeah. Well, that's one of the jokes is that there's there's a trailer that they do on YouTube where Batman introduces the trailer. And in one of those, he says, I my movie's so great or I'm so great that I don't just get one trailer. I get two trailers in one week. And, and they're funny. One of them has him uh, talking to his the picture of his parents. So watch for that one. And then the other one has him coming home to the Batcave and talking to his computer and saying that he's home. And it, they're both funny, though. So check them out. You and everyone who's listening. It'll be a funny movie. I hope. You promise? It'll be. Because <laughs> if it's not, I'm going to blame you. You can. You can totally blame me. But it's funny. The trailers are funny. I laughed at the trailers. What more can I say? I'm not completely heartless. That's what more I can say. So it sounds like we. Kinda... And sometimes we agree to disagree. Do you remember ages ago, summers ago, when we reviewed Man of Steel, talked about it as a post credit? Nope. Yep. We did. I was sitting on the bathroom floor in the condo on Lake <laughs> Michigan. That's that's when we did that. So. <laughs> That was our first summer. We hadn't even started talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes yet. Oh, man. Yeah. We only had one show to worry about. And we, were, we weren't even there yet. So. Oh, the good old days. <laughs> oh, we could reminisce for hours, for ages. But instead, I think it's time for us to stop recording. What do you say? Well, somebody's got a long day tomorrow. Yeah. And, yeah. Same day, you know. <laughs> and, and it's already been a long evening just getting this hour out. So. Uh, Welcome to level seven, episode 150. <laughs> Just one more time for good uh, measure. Hydra got into our tech. That's all I can say. So if there are any audio problems, it's my fault. I'll, 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 I'll take the blame. I'm guilty. I'm going to be Simmons today. And I refuse to learn the, about the thing, so you can't blame <laughs> me for it. It's true. There is absolutely no way to blame Daniel for any tech other than if you're me and you're just going to blame him. So on that note, I think it's time to say goodbye. Good day, sir. <laughs>